There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then. There are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. So big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. Greetings and salutations to everyone out there. Welcome back to my podcast, where I sit here and talk too much. Anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know I got some announcements at the end. I really want to get right into it because, hey, I'm a busy guy and I can't seem to get into a good pattern. I wanted to have something ready on Sunday and on Saturday, and neither of them happened. So here I am on Thursday afterwards recording everything for last week and this week and the heck with christmas too because i completely messed that one up entirely so yeah let's get to it matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 here we go in the time of king herod after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who had been born to the king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go also and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star, and when they had seen it at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Upon entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they're left to their own country by another road. I really love that story. But think of the disappointment these men might have experienced, who through the night had traveled many miles by camel to discover that the star had come to rest over a stable. They had followed a star and found a stable I bet they were expecting a palace or maybe a mansion. Just think about how they might have felt. That vast disappointment as they looked down 
from nearby Judean Hill and came to the realization that their destination was a shack in Kentucky. Hundreds of examples could be given. A man graduates from high school full of great dreams and expectations about the future, only to wake up one day and discover himself enmeshed in the very drudgery he had promised that he would avoid. A man comes to retirement age, thinks of all the good things that he's going to be able to do, and after a few weeks, he begins to discover that retirement is not exactly what he thought it would be. The days start growing longer and hours become more oppressive. All of us at some time have followed a star only to discover a stable. The problem is, how do we turn that stable into a moment of salvation? What is it that enables these wise men of every age to turn those stables of life into victory? Because if you remember, they rejoiced instead of being bogged down by a disappointment of what they saw. Because for one thing, they look for God in that stable. We couldn't blame these three men of old if they had just dropped their heads, turned back towards home, and went their ways back when they saw that they were going to end up at a stable. Though the thought came to them that the wonder and majesty of God and his purpose could be just as potent in the stable as in the palace. So as one reads the scripture, if they are sensitive, they note that the scriptures are quite realistic about the stables that come to even God's people. The difference between the biblical and the others is that the biblical never gave up on God. Take the Old Testament figure, Joseph, for example. You know Joseph, that dude with the technicolor dream coat, stolen from home, betrayed by his brothers, dropped into a pit, sold to slave traders, made a manservant in the house of Egypt, lied about his master's wife and was put into prison, can one suppose that during all that humiliation, all that disgrace, that he could see where God was taking him? Hell no! But later, when his brothers stood before him in humiliation and fear, he calmed their hearts with these words. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Can you do that with your life? Can you look at your own disappointments and see God's power and purpose? A man was justifiably proud of his lawn until one year a huge crop of dandelions appeared and he tried everything imaginable in an effort to get rid of them but had zero success. Finally, in desperation, he wrote to an agricultural college listing the remedies he had tried and concluded with the appeal, What do I do now? Several weeks later, he got a reply. Quote, we suggest you learn to love them. Maybe we can't learn to love all of our disappointments, but the, the least we can ask is whether some good may come from them. We need to look for God in that stable. Secondly, wise men offer their best to God. Those wise men knelt before the babe and after, offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this time, I'm not going to get into the symbology of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're just going to take them at face value. The central problem with our lives is not that we have experienced more than our share of disappointments, but that we have not done our best 
that we could with what we have. Makes me think of Renoir, that French artist. He was afflicted with acute rheumatism and suffered most of his life. For many years, he was forced to paint while sitting in a chair. Then a friend noticed one day that he was forcing himself to paint through almost blindingly sharp pain. You've painted enough, said his friend. You are established as one of the top artists in France and Europe. Why must you go on torturing yourself like this? Renoir looked up at him and then back at his canvas and said, The pain passes, my friend, but the beauty remains. There's a poet who wrote, Give your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Now, that's not only a command from a sovereign god, but that's a secret for successful living. What do you do when you follow a star and find a stable? First, you look for God and his purpose, and then you give your best to God. But the crowning experience comes when you make your way back from that stable, back into the pattern of everyday living. So third thing, because of what happens in the stable, they mark a new direction for their life. The wise men took a different direction home because they were warned that Herod was going to try and learn from them where the new king lay. But we might count it significant that this is always what happens when one encounters God and his purpose for life and attempts to give, him, give his best to God. He charts out a new direction for his life. Disappointment can be the best thing that's ever happened. It helps you to grow, to mature. It is definitely the best. The difference between mediocre and the great is that the great learn from their experiences. They learn and from their learning, they gain new insights into their own needs and abilities. So when they've picked up themselves and dusted themselves off, they're better people for the experience. In 1951, some doctors in an Ohio penitentiary wanted to make an experiment. They believed that an operation on a man's brain could change him and rid him of criminal tendencies. So a prisoner in that prison submitted to the operation, but the operation was an abject failure. The man was released, but soon he was right back again for forgery. In order for a man to be changed, he must have a changed heart. How about your own life today? Is that what you're needing most? A new direction? See, that's the glory of the gospel. That's why the story of the first Christmas is called Good News. Because it has a way of transforming the course and commonplace into something significant and sacred. So, I'm going to ask you, have you followed a star only to come in the end to a stable? If you have, then look for God there. You'll be surprised what you find. And then offer your best gift to God. Because God will use it in their kingdom. And when you leave, go home by another way. Don't do what the Herods of this world ask you to do. These are the secret of wise men in every age when they follow a star and they find a stable. Hello, thank you for listening to the end. 
what was so important that I wanted you to listen through so I could tell you? Well, I'm going to tell you that Epiphany was January 6th, which is not Sunday. Sunday, we celebrate the baptism of Jesus, which is important. It is a big event. It is another revelation, which is another word for epiphany. Right? Right. So there's another one coming and I'm releasing them on the same day because I'm a dork. And then on Sunday, we'll be right back where we were going to be. So yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that. Also, also, I promise on Sunday, another episode's releasing. I'm not getting out of this chair until I got all of it ready, all of it done, all of it there, because they keep writing. Why am I not recording? Oh my God. So in any case, I love you all. And I hope you all are loving each other. Take care. Be well. And remember, all are welcome. All are welcome. <laughs>